Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, a podcast brought to you by Gestalt IT. On today's roundtable, we're talking about containers, virtualization, and the sysadmins who love them both. Discussing this topic, we have Stephen Foskett moderating the discussion, James Green, Tim Miller, Alex Galbraith, and John White. Check out our show notes for links to all of their stuff at gestaltit.com slash podcast. Let's start it off. Uh, I'm going to start with, uh, with you, John, uh, since you were the one who suggested this. Um, we've got a big announcement, uh, GA of vSphere 6.5. And um, what is the feature that you mentioned? Why, was, why were we talking about this? Yeah, correct. Uh, VMware announced the GA of 6.5 today. I think it's, it's interesting for a lot of different reasons. There was a ton of uh, great features that were released in uh, VMworld Europe. But the one, the big one that I think is going to be interesting to kind of see how adoption goes is with the VMware integrated containers where you have now the ability to have a resource pool basically execute uh, containers based on the, uh, the Photon operating system underneath it. And maybe we need to define a few things. Can you just give us a quick, uh, what is Photon? Yeah, so Photon right now for what's, what's being released is really a, um, a modified Linux operating system that will run a single Docker container inside of it. And they use uh, the VM fork technology to quickly instantiate a new uh, Linux OS or a virtual machine to then run that container. Okay. So basically it's a lightweight Linux for running Docker. For the time being, yeah. I mean, later Photon will start to roll into more like a kernel-based um, you know, kernel operating system with ESXi. So, um, and so this is GA now. And uh, what is VMware's pitch? What, what are they trying, what do they want us to do? with uh, vSphere and containers? Yeah, I think, you know, my, my opinion, my take on it is, you know, right now we all are pretty good at running virtual instances. We've done it. We've hit mass adoption. I mean, 85, 95% of all servers are virtual machines. And if we can use the same tools to run and operate a single container inside, it makes the transition a little bit easier. And since it's rolled into already the software that you're buying might allow you to start uh, providing some of that development infrastructure that your developers want and need, but they don't know how to do it. So maybe they're using Shadow IT to go out to one of the Tier 1 cloud providers. You can actually do that locally inside of your domain, inside of your four walls, inside of something that you're already managing. So all the tools, if you're using um, you know, something like a chargeback manager, it doesn't really look any different. It's still VM, you're tracking. If you're using you know, the VROPs or any of the operational tools, it still just looks like a VM. So it's all the same stuff you're used to today. So the goal then is basically for IT to see it as a virtual server environment and developers to see it as a container environment? Correct. So that's a clever take on this. Um, you know, what, do you, what do you guys think of this idea? Is this, does this have legs? Well, I think, I think it's perfectly legitimate to say that there needs to be some sort of bridge from where we are to where we're going and uh, to allow organizations to start using some of those tools and workflows without retraining everybody on every aspect of the infrastructure. There's merit there. Um, and then maybe not so specifically with Photon, but just um, containers on top of VMs in general, there's some other considerations um, like especially for like a service provider with regard to multi-tenancy and um, agility and spinning up new services, potentially you could, you could have some benefits by doing it that way as opposed to on bare metal too. 
I think they're also working on the security aspects of it at the moment, aren't they? So NSX, I don't think is quite 100% integrated into that just yet. But you know, if you go forward, um, you know, maybe a few months or a year or so, and you can start to use some of the tooling that you're used to using today for VMs, but can apply that again into the the uh, container ecosystem. So one of the big challenges around containers has been security. So if you can start micro segmenting containers using NSX then you've got a whole lot more control and that kind of might allay a lot of the fears with people starting to move away from VMs and into that container space that they're not going to jump in there and suddenly find out all the crown jewels are open for uh, open for the taking. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a real hot topic in networking right now, micro-segmentation. And in fact, um, uh, this week also is Networking Field Day and that's something that we're going to hear more about in Networking Field Day is uh, micro-segmented networking for containers. Um, so, you know... Does this all make sense, though? I mean, stepping back from it, um, do we really want vSphere to be kind of butting into our container environment? Do we really want or need this extra layer in our container environment? Well, I think the answer to that question is, is everything that uses containers is going to end up being a microservice. If, if the applications going into containers are not all going to fit cleanly into this microservice model. We need, still need some of the traditional VM, VM operations that we've seen and lived with with VMware for the past 10 plus years, like being able to vMotion. I mean, what if you actually need to bring down that host, but because it's not a microservice that's stateless, you need to get it off your host. And so I, I see VMware getting into this space as kind of helping us transition into that model. Not everything's going to be a light switch, traditional app, microservices app. Mm-hmm. Everything we're going to have to have this bridge of some sort, whether it plays out in the end. I actually don't. What do you think, John? Yeah, I, I think it could be a bridge to uh, nowhere for VMware. I mean, I think it's something that's a transition point for sure. It's going to make it easy, but is this vSphere relevant underneath? You know, long term. I don't know, but I think you make a good point. If people go to a microservices architecture, if everybody goes there, which I think is a wild dream to think that that's going to happen, it's probably not really that relevant. But if we're going to still need to run traditional enterprise IT where you have to have some sort of redundancy um, or resiliency underneath, then, yeah, it might make, make sense for a long time. But if you look at the, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, we're still running mainframe computers today. You know, and that's been, you know, 30 years running now. How long are we going to run the enterprise apps that we're running today? Probably a lot longer than 30 years. So the relevancy is definitely still there, although it might... You're making me cry, man. You're making me cry. (laughs) You're saying we're going to be running this for a long time? It's going to be hard to move everything off. I mean, it's funny. I, I talk to a lot of people and I ask them, you know, what are you doing? What are you working on containers? And most people aren't really even talking or thinking about it yet. So to think that we're going to move to this new high-end infrastructure of microservices one day, I, I think it's just a, uh, it's a long time that's going to actually take for it to happen. Well, that's, that's, that's an interesting element. And, and as, um, you know, as we just heard, um, in a way, this is consistent with VMware's traditional market positioning because VMware is all about building bridges to the past. It's about bringing legacy applications, legacy operating systems, into a more manageable infrastructure. And VMware has never been about transforming the data center. VMware has been about trying to get the existing data center to be more manageable and more unified. And it really sounds to me like this is exactly the same song, just with maybe another verse.
Just taking a break in the action to remind you, dear content consumer, that if you're enjoying this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable, to head on over to gestaltit.com. We've got coverage from across the enterprise, from virtualization and servers, to networking, storage, and even that gosh darn cloud. While you're there, sign up for one of our newsletters, and you'll get our latest coverage right in your inbox. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the On-Premise IT Roundtable in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. And while you're there, rating and reviewing the show wouldn't hurt either. All right, let's get back to the discussion. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the other advantage, of course, is, you know, we, we in IT always want to try and keep things as simple as possible. And at the same time, everybody wants to start spinning up more and more silos of different technologies that sit separately, have to be managed separately, have to be monitored separately. So... One of the big advantages to you know using the photon method and having everything through one console, one single pane of glass, if you will, um, I'll go. I'll leave the room. Yeah, we that. can drink. Glass, <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. Um, but you, but you know you you are saving a lot of that complexity at least in the short term. But I suspect probably a lot of the kind of workloads that are going to end up being containerized might probably end up in public cloud anyway. Um, so it's kind of a stepping stone there. And in the meantime, it saves you having yet another silo with a different set of tooling and everything to manage that. You can still use most of the same monitoring tools at least at a high level. You're not going to get that kind of inside of the VM kind of view of exactly what every container is doing, but you will at least be able to get you know, some level of management and monitoring on the top, and it just kind of reduces the overall complexity rather than going, right, well, I'm going to go out and buy a bunch of white box servers, and then I'm going to bare metal everything on containers, et cetera, et cetera. And, that, and then you're just suddenly starting to spiral into so many different things to manage. Mm -hmm. And well, that, I, I guess I can see that too, because of course, you know, one of my complaints about a lot of the container systems so far, especially Docker in particular, is that it's more oriented toward uh, developers and really not enterprise grade in terms of what they're offering. You really have to do quite a lot to it in order to make it enterprise ready. Um, and I think, you know, in, in some cases, um, maybe that's by design on their part, you know, because they know who they're they know who their customer is, and uh, on the other, in uh, other cases, you know, my my hobby horse is you know Docker storage, and I know some other people have uh, problems with Docker networking, and um, it seems to me a total um, lack of knowledge about you know what is even practical for storage uh, or for networking, and uh, they just kind of glossed over the whole topic. Um, you know, is uh, will this solve those problems? Oh, I don't know. I, mean, I don't. Does this really make it net network? Uh, yeah, enterprise ready. Yeah, I don't know that it makes it enterprise ready yet, but at least it gives you an environment to run on, and it gives VMware a roadmap. And if they execute on it, and they they, you know, they figure out how to teach you, you know, what resources you have available to start to run containers into, and maybe handle some of the, you know, some of the other elements on top of it. If they, you know, simplify Kubernetes or Swarm or something like that to you know, make the management and the orchestration a lot easier. It starts to get pretty powerful, but yeah, I mean, you, you look at it, there's, there's so many, there's probably 50, 60 different vendors, you know, in this space that you have to cobble probably 12 of them together to really create a solution. So, you know, that's where I think, it, I don't know that I agree that it's enterprise ready yet, unless you're, you know, some sort of web scale company and that's, that's what you need to do, that's what your focus is. But for traditional IT, I think it's still far away. So, uh, speaking of that, you said traditional IT. It kind of just ra raised a question in my head. Um, is VMware the new legacy IT? Wow. <laughs> you want, me, you want me to say that? You want me stuff? to say that on on, on mic on camera? <laughs> um, it's yeah, kind of. I could see why people said that after VMworld this year. 
for sure. You think so? I could see, I could see the opinion. Yeah. I won't well, agree or disagree. I mean, they had a CEO that was saying that they're the new mainframe, as if that's a good thing. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, so I guess we'll continue that metaphor and say, is this, is this just legacy uh, trying to assert itself in this new world of, uh, of uh, DevOps and, you know, micro blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, one, of, one of the biggest reasons that people might not want to use it is probably around licensing there, because, mm -hmm. you know, paying that premium to have your containers running in that VMware VM is a, is, is a significant premium as you start to scale up. Mm -hmm. um, and so moving forward, you, I guess I would ask the question, like, do VMware really need to consider changing their licensing models, certainly for certain elements? It might not be all of the, you know, give away the crown jewels, but um, I think that VMware need to look at that overall ecosystem and say, right, well, where is it going? Everybody's putting stuff on open source, they're putting it into platforms where they're not paying for a hypervisor license, or they're going, some, in some cases, moving to you know, the big M and uh, taking Hyper-V um, just because it means they're not having to pay that extra amount on top because it's gotten to this kind of uh, point where feature parity is, is, for most customers, getting quite close. Um, so the, the, I guess the, the quote-unquote VMware tax is, is an area where they probably want to start considering whether or not they're going to charge that, especially around people wanting to use more containerized workloads on top of their platforms. Mm -hmm. And I they're also going after the same lunch that Docker's going after. Um, that's the thing. I mean, that's, that's the, the lunch money that needs to keep Docker in business. I think that's their differentiator and their opportunity they have is that, I mean, majority of the clusters, you know, even in, inside of our world as a service provider, they're not 100% utilized. So if you've already bought the licensing, you know, you're not really paying anything extra to, you know, start launching Docker inside of it. You've already paid for the licensing. You're already you're already hosting everything. I mean, it's it's already there. If you're if you have Wait, 60%, if that doesn't sound like a Microsoft tax, I don't know what does. Yeah, well, <laughs> already bought the licensing. Yeah, you might as well this, use it. I, look, I, I just I want to fall off my chair every time I get something included from VMware that's like, wait a second, I don't have to pay anything more. No, you're already paying per gig of RAM or you're paying per socket. You've already paid for it. Oh, okay, that's that's actually nice. It's different in our space, though, isn't it? In the it is different in our space, space yeah. as a service provider, yes, yeah, since we kind of have our own distinct licensing plan. But if you're a traditional enterprise, you've paid for the sockets. You've already paid for it. If you're, if you're sitting there 50 60% utilized, great. Carve out 10% for container space. You don't have to pay anything more. You've already sunk the money in the hardware. You've already sunk the money in the software. True. Start using it instead of putting it out into one of the Tier 1 cloud providers. But I thought Good VMware point. was supposed to solve our utilization problems. <laughs> they did. That's why everybody builds N plus two clusters. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, any closing words here, James? Uh, Tim? Uh, I think to go back to your question of is VMware the uh, legacy infrastructure, however you said it, um, I think that's, that's why they're pushing into this space because realistically what's, what's left to do with the hypervisor? You know, oh. uh, they need to go mm -hmm. up a ways. Um, yeah, I think it is, unfortunately. Well, it um, feeds into the discussion about, I think it's been about a year, about the commoditization of the hypervisor. You know, there's no differentiation in that space and very little nobody left. Nobody cares anymore. And, and yeah, and it's not the thing. It's just, it should just be there, just like the electricity or power. Um, so, I don't know, to, to, your, to your point um, about how they integrate Kubernetes, I, I don't know how they do that. And so that's the big mystery is can they integrate with these ecosystems to, that everybody else is using to get Photon and their VMs spun up like Swarm or like mm -hmm. that'll be the big That'll be the big uh, sign of whether or not they'll actually make it. 
All right. So I guess we're. Uh, I guess the jury's out. Did you have one more thing, Alex? No, I, I think. Um, I guess for me, this is just a stepping stone, really. And I think that especially when you start adding in things like VMware moving uh, into AWS as well, I, I guess it's it, it could be a last hurrah as a risk because um, this is you know you've got these new container workloads and you're going to start running them on VMware. Well, why wouldn't you just start running that in AWS? Move all your other stuff to VMware on AWS and then migrate across. So I guess it's it's a somebody's throwing the dice. That's for sure. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I guess we don't have an answer right now, but it certainly does smell legacy to me, and uh, it smells a little Microsofty and a little grasping to me. But uh, we'll see what happens in the future. Uh the on-premise IT roundtable is once again brought to you by Gestalt IT, home to IT coverage from across the enterprise. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Gestalt IT and at Facebook.com/GestaltIT. Very original. The On-Premise IT Roundtable is produced by Rich Straffolino. That's me. Until next time, from all of us here at Gestalt IT, have a super sparkly day. <laughs>